All right, promisers, man, good, good morning, good weekend. You know, we live in a world that really desires to bulletproof. They bu- want to bulletproof their money, want to bulletproof their health, want to bulletproof a lot of things. But the only way to truly be bulletproof is to walk with God. And it is God's design and God's desire to create in us a faith that literally is bulletproof, to create in us a walk with him that no devil can shoot through, to create in us our, our eternity, it, just have a, a, a faith that's bulletproof. And so we launched a new series this weekend called Bulletproof, and enabling and allowing God to dispel and defeat doubts that plague the hearts of believers. Because the devil is always dishing out doubt. Would y'all agree with that? He's always dishing out doubt. And doubt's an easy tool for the devil to use because of our DNA, our fallen nature. We are so prone to doubt. We're a lot more prone to doubt than we are to have faith. Is that right? We're just prone to think negatively and believe negatively, and sometimes that helps us. So, you know, when it's too good to be true, and it probably is, those doubt helps, they help us to make good decisions and not bad decisions. But we all experience doubt. Would y'all agree with that? And the fact is that church is the best place to be, the house of God and the Word of God, to deal with doubts. Now, it hasn't been over the years. Over the years, if you've got a question, keep it to yourself. If you have a wonder, don't ask it. And, and a lot of times the church has reacted negatively to questions like, hey, how do I know the Bible's true? Is God real? All these questions, what the church does, because many times it doesn't know the answer, they get mad. Are y'all with me? And they pitch a fit, and then people learn don't ask questions. And what happens is now we've had a couple generations of church in America where people have had doubts that haven't been dealt with. And so those doubts have begun to erode their faith and their faith begins to wane, and now they don't go to church. Their kids don't go to church. They didn't, they didn't you know, hand that, their faith down to their kids. Why? Because they never got their doubts dealt with. Does this make sense? And so we're going to get bulletproof in this series. Anybody ready to get bulletproof in your faith? Come on. That's the deal. That's what we're going to do. Now, by the way, it's the fifth anniversary of our Blount County campus this weekend. Way to go, Blount County. Matt, Carmen. All the team over there, excited. By the way, you know, when we were preparing to launch our first satellite campus, our, the Blunt County campus, a lot of my pastor friends, a lot of people didn't believe it was going to work. You know why? They were full of what? They were full of doubts. They didn't believe it was going to happen. But, but now 11, 1,100 people this weekend, hundreds of people have been saved there. God is moving, building a great church there. It's amazing. And now we're in all kind of other sites because we know that our God can. Man, we're, we don't doubt. We believe that God is going to move. Now, before I dive in the Word this weekend, you know, we don't take offerings. If you're new, you probably noticed that. Well, they don't take offerings because one of the number of reasons that people say they don't go to church is because all the church wants is their money. And so we eradicated that. But we'll go three or four or five weeks and not mention money. And, and, and what's happened this year is when, when I quit talking about money, what, what happens to the giving? It goes down. That's exactly right. And so I'm talking about the giving, in case you're wondering. And so if you've ever tried to lose weight, the worst thing to do when you're losing weight is yo-yo, gain, lose, gain, lose. Or y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about? You know, and so I have people that lost 1,000 pounds and found 1,100. You know, up, down, up, down, up, down. And the, it's the worst thing for you. In your Christian walk, the best thing for you to be is consistent. 
in your prayer life, in your service, in your worship, in your attendance to worship, and in your finances. Amen? All right, 12 people got that. Amen? So let's just be faithful, man, in season and out of season, consistent in that, and God will honor and bless that, and we'll keep on moving uh, and moving in the future that God has. Now, we just finished what we call the month of miracles. If you're brand new, the last four weeks, we prayed for healings, we prayed for prodigals, we prayed for provision, and we finished that with the Lord's Supper, an amazing worship experience last weekend, just off the chain. We've gotten so much uh, feedback on last weekend's worship experience. It was, it was unbelievable. But with, you know, 7,000 people here this weekend and, and thousands and thousands through that series, and, and we've, we've, we, man, we've got all kind of answers to prayer, but would y'all believe there's some people that didn't get their miracle they were asking? Would y'all agree with that? Absolutely. Now, what you might mistakenly believe is this, that we are really smart because we're, we're really not. And we put a doubt series or after a miracle series so we could deal with people that didn't get their doubts. We wish we were that smart. We never thought about that. It wasn't until about a month ago that we were beginning the, the series. We said we got doubt come after. Hey, wow, that really worked out good. Well, that's how God worked that out. We didn't work that out. We're not that smart, but God is. And so what happens is because there are some people that didn't get what they asked God for, and they're still waiting for their miracle Doubts can easily creep in while you wait. Does that make sense? God didn't do what I asked. He didn't heal me. He didn't bring my prodigal home. Let me read an email that I received last week or two weeks ago. This is from our North Knoxville campus. And, man, just the, the sheer honesty of this just moved me. It was, it was sent to me entitled The Month of Miracles. The Month of Miracles has been hard for me this year. I've requested prayer for the last three years for my prodigals. I'm not going to give you all the details so you won't know who this is. Uh, Last year, I went to the altar to ask prayer for them, or prodigals. This year, I didn't even go for prayer. The prayers have have not been effective. In fact, my prodigals have gotten even worse. It sees the more I pray for them, the more I requested prayer for them, the more I cried up to God for them, the worse things became. So this year, I sat in my seat. Can you just feel the broken heart in that? Can you just sense the brokenness? That's when I realized I no longer believed that my prodigals would return to God or that they would return to me. My heart was hurting at the hope that was lost. I drove home from church that day sobbing so hard I could hardly see to drive. I've given up hope of things getting better, and it made me angry. I was angry at church. I was angry at Faith Promise Church. Um, See, I raised my kids at Faith Promise not in a dead or dying church, And I felt like faith promise had failed me. Mm. I felt like faith promise had failed me. And listen, this is just the heart cry of a broken heart. And the church has got to be a safe place to bring your questions and your doubts and your burdens and your brokenness. It has to be. This this doesn't bother me. Actually, this email moves me. said, uh, I I wasn't praying a selfish prayer. I was praying for my prodigal salvation. And he, God, not only wasn't answering that prayer, but everything was getting worse. I was mad at myself for believing the time I'd invested in training my kids would make a difference. I would take them to ministry and all these ministries. And uh, I love doing these things. I thought it would teach my, uh, my prodigals to be selfless. And it would instill in them a heart for God and for others. But it didn't. I was so frustrated and felt like all the effort I put into them was wasted 
That's discouraging from a, from, a, for a, from a parent. But today I watch people come to the altar for healing. It occurred to me that some of these people have probably been sick or disabled in need of healing for many years. Even Pastor Chris preached on the woman who had waited 12 years for her healing. And although I haven't yet received my miracle for my prodigals, I did receive a renewed hope that I need to continue believing and praying. Maybe that was a miracle in and of itself. See, so we, we have people we, with the thousands of people that come here. We have people that struggle with so many issues. And when you face those struggles and God doesn't move when you ask him to or you believe that he's going to move, that creates easily a fertile soil for doubts to grow. A broken heart like this, like this parent is fertile soil for doubts. For doubts. But see, faith promise we're wrong and real. We're not staying away from those things. We're bringing those things to the forefront. We're rolling those things right out because, again, we've learned over generations of going to church not to ask, not to wonder, not to, not to seek some help. We just learn to shut up, and then our doubts begin to eat up who we are inside. And so remember we live in a world that is cursed. When Adam and Eve sinned, God cursed the earth, and we live in a cursed cosmos and ever since Adam and Eve, men in the garden, men and women, boys and girls, have been running away from God. Would y'all agree with that? Yeah. They've been running from God, forsaking him, just turning their back on God. And many of us, when God doesn't bring a prodigal home, when God doesn't do what, we begin to question God. And as I read that email, I tell you what, what, what ran through my mind, how did God feel that those prodigals rejected his, or his, his spurring. How, did, how does God feel when we forsake him, when we run away from him? See, we want God to make people do stuff, but God opens up doors. It's us that make the choice. Are y'all with me? You made the choice to come to church this weekend. You made the choice whether you'll love God or not. You make the choice whether you'll be faithful or not. You make the choice whether you'll believe or not. God doesn't make us make those choices. We have a, we, we have, we have a choice whether we do it or not. But let me tell you about God. God is okay with your questions and your doubts. See, the church doesn't like questions because they many times don't know the answer. But God does. And so God doesn't freak out when you say, is the Bible real? or is God doesn't freak out. Matter of fact, have you ever read the book of Psalms? Because 75% of the book of Psalms are the writers of the psalmist griping and complaining to God and asking God, why haven't you come through yet? Do you not know where I am, God? Do you not hear my prayer, God? Do you not see my circumstances, God? Why haven't you delivered me? Why haven't you killed my enemies? Well, you can pray some Old Testament prayers, man, you know. Wipe them out, God. I mean, all the, the psalmist is just, how come, God? Why, why, why? That didn't bother God. Jeremiah, the prophet, said, God, you tricked me. I did not sign up for this. I didn't know it was going to be this bad. Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. He said, vanity, vanity, all is vanities. It's just a waste. Eat, drink, and party, and, and then you're going to die. That's basically the, uh, there's not a lot of hope in the book of Ecclesiastes. If you're depressed, do not go to Jeremiah, Lamentations, or Ecclesiastes. Can I just warn you right now? Because you will take your life after you've read those books. <laughs> and so... And so God's okay. God, God gets that. What, what Thomas, what Thomas the what? The doubter. He asked one question 21 centuries ago, and we still call him a doubter. You see, you can't ask questions at church. 
You see what they did to him? We don't talk about, we're going to talk about Thomas next weekend. But, but, you know, we're not talking about all the good stuff with Thomas the doubter. Doubter, doubter, he's a weasel. Last question. And so, but we all face, see, doubt is a part of our DNA. Remember the parent that came to Jesus and said, Jesus, would you heal my child if you could? And what did Jesus say? In the Greek, he said, what have you been smoking? I'm pretty sure that's what it says in the original. Jesus said, if. What do you mean if? And the parent said, I believe, help my unbelief. And that we've all prayed that prayer. I believe, God, would you help my unbelief? So let me give you the verse, our theme verse for this series. It's out of the little book of Jude 22. Uh, and it's, it's coming up any minute right here. We have a problem. Oh, there it is. It's warming up. I hate when it warms up. It's coming. There we go. Give our tech people a hand, would you? They're awesome. Man, they're awesome. How would you like to, by the way, how'd you like to be the button pusher at Faith Promise Church? How'd you like to be the one waiting back there for me to call for a verse? And then somebody comes to the back of the sound booth and says, the music's too loud. Because that's what they, they come and say. It's, would you cut it down? Would you cut it down? If we cut it down for everybody that asked, you couldn't hear it. But, but, and so how'd you like to be that, that person? Or a camera guy or gal? Because, man, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all over that thing. So how'd you like to try to keep up with that? Brutal. Give them another hand. They're awesome, man. Way to go. <laughs> All right. This is what God, God says through, the, through, the, through Jude. And have what? Mercy on those who are what? Listen, we don't take a sledgehammer to doubters. Matter of fact, the word mercy means this. It means to have compassion, aid, Help with divine grace. The divine grace that is in you gives grace to that person that's doubting. And we walk humbly. We walk gently, gently with those people that are doubting. We don't crush them. But that's what the church has done for the last couple generations. Would y'all agree with that? We bash people that are doubting. It's crazy. It's dumb as a stick. I, man, I don't even get it. So in this series, we're going we're gonna to deal with some issues. But we're going to deal with basically the best way to deal with your doubts because we all have them. And so we, we believe that we would start with the greatest subject that people in the church deal with, and that is the subject of salvation. How many of you be honest and say, hey, Pastor, there's been a time when I doubted my salvation? Just raise your hand. Go ahead. Put them up. There we go. All right. All right. Most of you have been honest. There we go. All right. Let's, let's roll. Now, what we're going to do is see if it, when, when, when you have doubts, and we all wrestle with doubts. It begins to hinder the hand of God because God moves by faith, and faith and doubt are the opposite end of the spectrum. Would y'all would y'all agree with that? They're the opposite end. And so, what we want to do this weekend is we're going to nail it down. We deal salvation. We're going to nail it what? We're going to nail it what? Down. That's what we're going to do. So, man, if you'll if you'll really drill in for the next. 12 or 13 minutes, we're going we're gonna to nail it down so that you no longer have doubts. See, salvation is a fact, and it is a faith. It is not a feeling. There are days that I don't feel saved. There are days that I get up for my quiet time, make a pot of coffee, coffee, go to my back deck, build a fire in my fireplace, have my Bible, my journal, and I'll sit there for two or three hours, and when I get done, I'll say, you know, I didn't feel a thing this morning. You ever done that? 
I just didn't, didn't see. But my, my salvation is not based on my feeling. It's based on my faith. I mean, and so a lot of us are chasing a feeling. We need to be pursuing Jesus, not a feeling. Because your feelings are as fickle as the wind, aren't they? Come on, ladies. Your feelings ever bother you about once a month? Do you feel saved about that time of the month? No, about every 30 days you lose your salvation. Come on, let's be real. Did he? <laughs> did I say, scratch, don't put that on the tape. And, uh, and so it, it's the deal. It's, it's not about a feeling. Our feelings are fickle. It's not about feelings. It's about, it's about, it's about salvation. So let me ask you a question. If you're listening to Sam, Every campus, all the promisers, on a scale from 1 and 10, 1 being Hitler, 10, come on camera guys, 10 being Jesus, are you with me? 1 Hitler, lost, terrible, horrible person, Jesus, perfect, sinless perfection, where are you on, the, uh, where are you on that scale? Now, if you say, I'm an 8 or 9, the person next to you, if they know you, is probably going to say, ha, <laughs> 1.5 chump. Don't come on, get off that. I live with you. I know better than that. So, like, I have a lot of friends who know uh, Billy Graham and a humble, one of the most influential men in the kingdom of God in the last hundred years. And if you were to say, Dr. Graham, where do you rate? I'd say he would say between a six or a seven. Mother Teresa, she'd probably put herself right there. And it's been a good week for me, so I'll say about a seven. I've had other weeks, and I'm going to have to move on down to this side. Are you with me? So is, is anybody a 10, sinless perfection? Anybody a 10? Any 10s? Any 10s? Any 10s? Come on. Yeah. Put that hand down. I know you. You're not a 10. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know who that is. Yeah. Don't make me call your sins out here to everybody. And so, and so here we go. So the good news is that we're all in the same boat. We've all sinned, right? Is that right? Well, good. I got some great news. The book of the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, 3, verse 10, as is written, it's quoting an Old Testament verse, there is how many? Righteous. Not even, not even one. We're all in the same boat. When I first got saved and entered the ministry in the early 80s, I used to talk, had to talk people into believing they were sinners. Our culture has changed. We all know that we've sinned. Romans 3, 23 says this, for how many? have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, the word sin in the Greek is an archery term, and I love to, to bow hunt. It means to miss the mark. Nobody hits the perfect mark every time they shoot, and we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. You might feel like you're a one. You might feel like you're a nine, but nobody is a 10 except Jesus. Romans 5.8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet what? Christ died for us. Good news. You did the crime, he did the time. You did the sinning, he, did the, he, he received our punishment. He took our penalty. He picked up the check. He paid the tab for our sin because all of sin. And in John 3.16, when I first got saved, this was about the only verse I ever heard preached. You never hear John 3.16 preached anymore, do you? You see it with one guy with an orange chair at the football game. Besides that, man, you never see it. For God so what? The world, that he what? See, loving means giving. If you love, you give. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not what? 
but have eternal life. Man, that's good news. That's good news. So how do I do that, Pastor? I'm so glad you asked. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says this, that if you what? Confess. The word confess means to agree with God. If you'll confess with your mouth that Jesus is what? See, we live in a, we live in a democracy and we have our rights. So we don't really get the word Lord because if you've lived in a culture where there was a Lord that ruled the lands, you didn't have any rights. The Lord had all the rights. You didn't have any. He gave you killed, no recourse. And so when I get up in the morning and I open my journal, I say, good morning, great God, master, boss, ruler, sovereign king, Lord of my heart, my soul, my mind, and my forever. You rule this vessel. Are y'all with me? See, he's not our big buddy in the sky. It said, it didn't, no, don't confess him as the bellhop. It says confess him as what? See, the problem is too many people go to church and they just confess, they confess God as their big buddy. They don't confess him as their Lord. And so they want to live their life the way they want to live it, not the way the Lord said. Whoever, that if you confess to them out, Jesus says, Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, number one, Easter, then you'll be what? For the heart a person believes, talking about faith, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in what? Salvation. Romans 10, 13 goes on and says this, for what? Some. A part of people. For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. Whoever will call. In, Re in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, says this, Behold, I stand through or not. Jesus talking. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him, fellowship with him, and him with me. When you invite me into your life, I come in and we have a relationship. We dine together. We break bread together. We fellowship together. Does that make sense? That's salvation. Salvation is not religion. Salvation is a relationship with the Lord God of heaven. So let me ask you a couple questions. So if you would bow your heads. And it's just me and you talking, just me and you and God, nobody else, doesn't matter to anybody else in any of our campuses, I'm going to ask a couple of questions. If you say, you know what, Pastor, I'm not perfect, I know that, I did, I'm not a 10 on the scale, but there's no doubt in my mind that I'm born again, and if I die today, I'm going straight to heaven. If that's you, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. All right? Okay, put it down. If you say, just heads bowed still, if you say, Pastor, man, I, I just don't think so. Man, I, I, don't, I don't think that I'm a Christ follower. I, I don't think that if I die today, I go to heaven. If that's you, just raise your hand. Just slip it up, all right? Okay? Every section. All right? Put them down. Now, if you say, Pastor, I, I couldn't raise my hand to either one. I just don't know. I'm struggling. I got doubts. I'm not sure if I'm really saved or not. Man, I, I, I just don't know. I'm struggling. If that's you, just lift up your hand. Okay? All right, put them down, every single section. Go ahead and put them down. Now, look up here. Every section had people that said, I'm not a believer, and every section had people that didn't say that I'm, I'm not sure. And so what we're going to do this weekend is we are going to nail it down. We're going to nail it what? We're going to nail it down. We're going to nail it down. We're going to call upon the name of the Lord. We are going to nail it down. And so if you're struggling, if you're wondering, in just a minute, we're going to bow our heads. We're all going to pray a confessional prayer together. Many of us raised our hand. Uh, we're believers, there's no doubt, but we're just going to pray this prayer with you. 
And we because nobody prays alone, and we're just gonna we're gonna Romans 10, 9 and 10 it, we're gonna John 3, 16 it, we're gonna Romans 10, 13 it, we're gonna believe Revelation 3:20, and we just are gonna open up our life and we're gonna receive forgiveness and a relationship. So are you ready? Yeah. All right, every head bow, every eye closed, pray this prayer with me, all of our campuses. Say, Dear Jesus, I know I've sinned. I've blown it. I'm sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart. I confess you as Lord, boss, and ruler. You died for me. Now I will live for you. In Jesus' name. Now, with still with heads bowed and eyes closed, if you just prayed that prayer, you opened your heart up to Jesus, and man, you nailed it down, or you gave your heart to Jesus. If you would, would you just slip your hand up? Nobody looking, just me and you. Slip it up. Go ahead. Slip it up. All right. Okay. All right. All right. All over. All over. Every section, all the way in the balcony. All right. Go ahead and put them down. All right. Look up here. Now, let's let's nail this down. Okay. Let's nail this down. Matter of fact, you know what we're going to do? We're going to bullet proof our faith. Because people would ask me, hey, pastor, did you doubt? Never. It's not that I'm better. Listen, I don't say that in any kind of egotistical deal. Let me tell you why I didn't doubt. I didn't doubt because I dove in the deep end of the pool. I got saved after an overdose in the hospital, Memorial Hospital on Thursday. Sunday morning, I was at church, made my faith public. I was there Sunday morning. I was there Sunday night. I was there Sunday school. I was there training union. I was there for visitation. I was there Wednesday night. If they'd had a worm race in the parking lot, I'd have been there with my worm. I dove into the family of God. Too many of us have got our toe in the church, but we haven't, we haven't, we haven't jumped in the deep end of the pool. So you want to bulletproof your faith, you need to obey the Spirit of God. So let me tell you what happened. Day one, Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. 3,000 people did exactly what you just did. 3,000 people stood up and said, we believe Jesus came out of the grave. We're confessing Jesus as our Lord. And we're following him. And Peter led the procession. They went to the Jordan and they baptized all 3,000 of them in the Jordan River that day. There wasn't anything else. They took them straight down. They put on the Jesus colors. They got on the Jesus team and they flew the Jesus flag. Now, you can look around the room and there's a lot less orange this morning than there was five weeks ago. But see, if you're going to be a Jesus follower, I don't care if the world hates Jesus. I don't care if the culture hates Jesus. I don't care if Washington hates Jesus. I don't care if Hollywood hates Jesus. It doesn't matter what anybody else does. I'm standing for Jesus. He died for me. I'm standing for him. He was crucified. I'm going to live for him. I'm going bulletproof because I'm not bending and bowing and burning to this culture. I'm going to stand for God. No matter what in Jesus' name, come on, somebody in the house. Amen. Go ahead, have a seat. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. There are a lot of you guys that just gave your heart to Jesus. Some of you nailed it down. And you need to do exactly what they did on day one. You need to immediately go get baptized. You say, but I don't have any clothes. We brought them for you. We got t-shirts, we got shorts, we got towels, we got scrunchies, ladies. We got, it looks like a beauty salon back there. It's unbelievable. And so we're in, in just a, in about two minutes, I'm going to pray. If you gave your heart to Jesus 
or you nailed it down, you just weren't sure you nailed it down, then you're going to get up, go to the back at every campus. We're going to pray with you, bring you around. That We're going to worship, and then they're going to baptize you. You're going to go public. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God and salvation, Romans 1.16. Go in public. Are you with me? Go in public. We're going to bulletproof. Because when God speaks, I'm going to obey. You want to bulletproof your faith? Obey what God says. And so now some of you were baptized when you were a child. Don't remember. Some of you were sprinkled when you were eight days old or christened. That wasn't your choice. That was your parents. Baptism is a post-salvation experience that you choose. Nobody chooses it for you. You've got to choose. I want to go in the water. I want to profess faith. I want to wear Jesus colors. I want to supply Jesus flag. I'm going to follow Jesus. Baptism is easy if you've chosen to follow Jesus. And so if you're in one of those three categories, and we'll give you an opportunity to head out. We're going to worship. We're going to wait. You're going to change clothes, get baptized. Couples get baptized together. Now, if you are fifth grade or under, and you've not been to the baptism class, if you go out, we're going to sign you up for the baptism class. Because we try to make sure that anybody that's fifth grade or under understands it before we baptize them. Are you with me? Because a lot of people we baptize say, you know, I baptized when I was a kid. I don't remember it. Later, I gave my heart to Jesus. And so I want to make it public. Man, that's the deal. That's, so whatever, whatever situation you're in, we're going to give you an opportunity. Amen? Amen? Are you ready? Now, listen, you want a bulletproof? Then get in the Psalms 92 says, those that are planted in the house of God will flourish like the cedars of Lebanon. They will grow like the palm tree flourishing in the courts of our God. You need to dive in. So listen, don't hesitate. Don't backstroke. I'm going to count to three. And what a lot of people do is they look up. Is anybody else going? I don't care if anybody else goes. You'd be the only one if there's just one. You go public. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Come on. I'm going to follow Jesus. If faith promised closest doors tomorrow, I'm following Jesus. If y'all fired me, it would mean you were dumb, but I'm following Jesus. Are you with me? I'm not, it doesn't matter what anybody else does. So here's the, I'm going to count to three. Are we ready? Need to be baptized, go. They'll help you. Man, it doesn't matter. We're going to wait. We're going to worship. It's going to be amazing. We're going to celebrate and clap when you get up. So here we go, church. Are you ready? One, two, three. Let's go. Pop up right now. Head out. There we go. Come on. Come on, church. Come on, let's head on out. There we go, come on, let them out. Let them out. There we go, come on. Let's go, there are a bunch of hands up, come on. Don't backstroke, don't wait, don't weasel, don't stop, don't hinder, come on. Say yes, let's go, let's head out. That's looking, come on church, let's defeat hell this weekend. Come on, let's stand up church, let's worship God, come on. Right now, our God is worthy.